What is up, everybody? I'm Brett L. Pape. That's Coach Bruce. And this is The Coach Approach. Stay on. Coach, what's up, brother? How are you doing this week? I'm good, go. man. What a, what a great I, I week. I got to stay away from that whiskey. I can't drink. You saw last week, I'm just a little five foot seven, 143 pounder, and I'm trying to keep up with you last week. And I think you and my wife had to make sure I can get back out to the living room. So uh, it, it's back to the water and beer this week. Yeah, I thought maybe I was going to have to carry you to bed, man. Really yeah, well, it wouldn't have been very far. It wouldn't be very far. But, hey, we'll get into uh, the week that was and the week that's going to happen um, later on the show. We're really excited that we get to bring on a guest um, who's enjoying her special day today. So, uh, Coach, why don't you tell us who we got? Yes. So, hey, welcome to the show. We have at Kelly in Phoenix, who is I was blessed to meet at the Fantasy Expo. Like I have a ton of our guests. She's absolutely outstanding. She's a part-time writer, full-time optimist. She is just the nicest person you'll ever talk to. She's She works with the commission and does a lot of other things in social media. Uh, welcome to the show, Kelly. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, my computer is lagging a little bit this evening. I'm closing windows like mad, so nothing crazy happens. <laughs> And I do have my whiskey this evening as well. Oh, so cheers. There we go. All right. So what are we drinking? So this is um, James E. Peter, 1776, I think it's called. Um, and I got it while I was in Kentucky uh, visiting my sister. So it was really, really good souvenir. I love it. Hey. It is your birthday, so a very, very happy birthday to you. We're so excited to have you before you start your birthday festivities tonight. Oh, my gosh. What a crazy day. Wednesday is typically, like, the most boring day ever, and today has been fun and crazy and full of messages and texts and phone calls, and now I get to be here with you. Well, we're excited to have you, and uh, we're not going to try and keep you too long, so I'd like to kind of jump right into it. And uh, we've already talked about your work um, with the podcast company that you're over with, over there with the commission. And I, and I was uh, able to go on and, and through, I've looked at your stuff in the past. And one of the articles that kind of stuck out to me was just kind of being a woman in this industry. And um, you'll see a few times, and it, unfortunately, uh, the ugly head bears at, at times, and, and you can see some. Some people say stupid things, and I can't imagine what that is like to go through um, on a daily basis uh, just because of your uh, gender. But why don't you tell us a little bit about that article that you wrote about and just your experience in the industry? Yeah, of course. Um, so my experience in the football space is fairly new. I've been playing fantasy football for, oh my gosh, well over a decade, starting with like a work league, of course. I feel it's how everybody kind of starts, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I've been blogging, writing, um, being a guest speaker of various things for my entire career because I work in the marketing space, specifically social media marketing for about 15 years um, with forums. <laughs> that's my start. <laughs> I'm dating myself, but that's okay. <laughs> but yeah. Um, we can relate. Don't worry, we can relate. Yeah, we can relate. Yeah. We're among friends. That's right. Yeah, definitely. If we pulled out, uh, we pulled out IDs right now. I know who would be the oldest. So you two have nothing to worry about. Okay. Okay. I'll let you. I'll let you take that crown. Yeah. Um, 
But in the fantasy space, um, I just, I wanted to be more involved in the whole culture of everything. I had been working at home um, and then pandemic hit and I felt even more isolated than usual. So I started just kind of poking around and came across um, the commish FFP and they have a podcast, they have a website, thecommishbrand.com. And they were some of the most welcoming that I had come across as a completely new person that's never spoken a word before in the community. And I just started chiming in their conversations. Um, eventually, I was invited to play in the Listener League, which was really fun. And um, the next year in 20. Uh, 21 here, just like February, they said they were looking for writers. And I'm like, I'm a writer. I can write things. <laughs> so uh, that's how I ended up where I'm at in the space. Now to go back to your question, as far as what it's like being a woman in the space, it's really a mixed bag. I feel like the majority of the community has come around and really become very supportive of having women in the space, feeling like, why shouldn't women enjoy football and whiskey and <laughs> having a good time? We do other th things, you know? We don't just sew and knit and <laughs> cook. <laughs> but um, I found at first, other women were kind of like, well, who are you? Um, and it wasn't super common. I only had like a couple instances like that, but then I kind of just got over that. I'm like, why well, me? I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And I found a whole like tribe of women that I just adore. I love them so much. They're so supportive. We send each other messages when, when things get hard that you can't just send, um, a guy, you can't be like, oh my God, you won't believe what just happened. Because <laughs> guys just can't relate to the same, to the same thing. Um, but some of the biggest struggles I think for me personally have been that I'm not an analyst. I enjoy football. I love it so much. I love to watch it. I love to read news about it. Um, and I love Everything that's associated with the lifestyle of being a football fan, which is where my right. content comes from. And, and let, people let just me interject don't... real quick. Yeah, please. And I only want to, because you brought up a, an interesting point, one that both Bruce and I can relate to, and that is the um, I'm not an analyst. Uh, um, and, and that makes it sometimes, un and you're right, I can never have, I can never say I understand what you go through. So you reaching out to other women, totally get it. But I can understand, or I sometimes feel that because I don't relate as an analyst or I don't claim to be an analyst, that limits what I can say in the space. Um, so I, I kind of can relate in that sense that you kind of got to be leery of what you're willing to put out there if you're also not putting in the work that an analyst is putting in. And one of the things that came easy for me is, is that just accepting that all I'm really doing is giving you my opinion. And for that, you don't have to explain anything other than, well, that's just what I think. And so, you know, I mean, why fight it? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly it. Um, for me, I get invited to be on a lot of podcasts. Um and the first thing that I tell them is I'm happy to be on your podcast, but you can't just ask me to spit out stats or talk about film or, you know, give any kind of um, analytic viewpoint. I can right. just tell you who I like, where, what my gut feeling is, um, my experience as a fan and how I've seen this team or player have patterns um, stuff like that, that I think somebody who's generally, genuinely in tune with football can add to the conversation. Plus bring a little fun. I mean, who doesn't want to have fun? Well, and I'm, I know coach Bruce has stuff that he wants to add, but I don't want to kind of get off this topic real. I want to stick with it real quick. And I just want to mention the fact that 
I think the the community sometimes forgets their audience and you and I are their audience in that um, we may not put in the work, but we look for the work to kind of base your own opinion off of. And um, we're needed in this community because again, we're able to give the perspective of what we really need and what we really want. So man, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, you that you hit the head, nail on the head right there because that that's absolutely it. We we lend um, the other piece of the conversation that's often missing when it's just analysts talking amongst themselves. Um, and as far as being a woman and trying to um, reiterate that with my followers, with people who want me to be on their podcasts, it's it's difficult because then it's like, am I saying that I don't know what I'm talking about? Am I pretending it's kind of like an imposter syndrome, but no, it's not. Yeah. I lend something completely different um, than another analyst would. But I think that's what's so great about, and I'll talk about Twitter right now, because that's, that's where all of us met each other. But that's what's so great, I think, about the Twitter space is, first of all, it's like, how do you define who an analyst is and who isn't? You know, I think right. it's something like it, it, just because you put an article out for a site, does that make you an analyst? If you put rankings out, does that make you an analyst? You know, and I know there's a lot of people that will reach out to me in the DMs and talk about start set advice and, and players and rosters and whatnot. It's like, hey, I'm not an analyst. I'm like you. I'm a guy that loves to play fantasy football. I have played for years. Like, yeah, but, you know, you put rankings out and we did this in the offseason. Like, yeah, because I enjoy that process. It's more to make me a better fantasy player, but also to learn and collaborate with actual people that put out really good content. But I, I think there's so many resources for anybody to go on with an analyst or a fan, which I consider myself a huge fan of fantasy football and, and the game of football. And you can find the advanced metrics. And, and that's the great thing I think, I hope, about the coach approach. We don't want to get, get on here and read advanced metrics off player profiler or dynasty nerds or some of those sites. They're phenomenal sites and I use them all. But that's not what the coach approach is. It's more about as a fantasy football manager, what do we see? What do we like? And sharing those 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 resources that we have with each other to make us all better fantasy players. And I think that's what's so great about what you're doing in space. And you know, obviously that's how we've all met. So it, it's pretty neat to see the Twitterverse and how it works. You know, it's, it's a neat deal. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I'm sorry if you can hear my dogs barking through. I was waiting to see if it was yours or Brett's. We all had dogs. No, it's always an issue. There's two yeah. things that always happen on the coach approach. I probably have too many drinks. And the second thing is one of our dogs go crazy. Yeah. I'm just like, what is happening right now that they're freaking out? And I'm texting like, um, can you make that stop, please? Well, hey, we appreciate your dog stopping in the show to say hi to Brett and I. We appreciate that. And singing you happy birthday during the podcast. That's outstanding work by your dogs. I, I, um, like I said, I can't. I can't tell you how excited I am to be here. I wanted, ever since you asked me, I'm like, oh my gosh, is it time yet? Is it time? But I um, I love being here. I'm so glad that you asked me. I know you have a bunch of other questions, but this is such an important topic and I'm glad we got to address it because just because you don't provide that, that level of work that takes you all day to prepare, it doesn't mean that there's not a, an element of having to understand the game and love the game to be able to sound intelligent while talking about it, even the lifestyle aspect. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and, you know, I just like the different perspective. I mean, I think that's what, again, the number one thing we're doing is we're talking about a game, a game. So we need to enjoy it. And some of the women that you mentioned in the uh, article that you did talking about being a woman in the industry are, are some of the, what I look for isn't always the numbers or isn't always, and I'm not saying there isn't because there's no one better at telling me what kicker to put in than Linda and the work that she yeah. puts in to give us that. I mean, that goes without saying, but we also get entertaining content from her. We also get the little, I, one of my favorite things from Cooter Doodle was just when she was talking about a matchup with Linda probably last year and she poured a Truly or whatever drink Linda. Oh, what is it? it's so good. Yeah. And so, it, I mean, 
it is, it, it is, sometimes you want to just laugh and, and it's a game. And so the perspective and the people that you mentioned, man, it, it, there's a big reason why you added them to your story. Yeah, they, um, right off the bat, they wanted to be a part of it and participate. And I was like, listen, I know that it's not like a huge article or tons of exposure, but it would mean a lot to me if you would contribute to this because I'm having such a difficult time getting people to understand that it's okay to not be into the numbers night and day. It's okay to just enjoy the game and have fun. And they were all about it. Um, and I think even, uh, in their, in their comments, if people want to go and read the article, it's at commissbrand.com in the lifestyle section. Um, and it's about women in the community, something in the title, but it was just so refreshing for them to jump right in and be willing, uh, Victoria, Cooter Doodle, Linda, they jumped right in and, and gave me quotes. And since then I've met a lot of other really amazing women, um, Tara, um, and, uh, Rachel there. I mean, I'm just giving you their first names, but they're, they're really amazing group of women who have been so, so, so supportive. Well, I think what's neat, I mean, everybody you mentioned, like I'm in a co-manager league with, with Linda and obviously I, I've done, I was on a podcast with P2W fantasy with Victoria. And then even, even the other gals you mentioned, they're all such great people to add such great, you know, not just personalities to the community. And I think what's really cool about it is everybody that you're talking about, including yourself, you guys help promote everybody else in a way that, that a lot of us could learn from. And I think that's the great thing about everybody you've mentioned is not only are they great in space and have a lot of great information to share, but they're all about helping other people out. It's not a competitive thing of like, Hey, you know, I need to be the first one to do this. or I need to be, you know, I've got certain people I'm going to align with anybody outside of that, that group. I'm going to, you know, not really participate in. It's not like that at all. Every single person you mentioned is such a huge contributor to the community as a whole. It's just, it's awesome to see it on a, on a day-to-day basis for sure. It's interesting what you just said about, um, I I can't remember just now how you phrase it, but kind of aligning yourself with certain people. But something that I've kind of prided myself on is I don't want to be in a clique. I, I want to be able to share content, even from somebody that maybe other people don't like very much. I have no dog in that fight. If the content yeah. is good, if it's entertaining, um, if the person has done nothing to me personally or, uh, you know, something like that, I feel like it's okay to share content. That doesn't mean I'm aligning with their belief system or anything like that. I'm just sharing good content. And that's what I feel like this group of women um, has done and brings to the table. They they see a great piece of content, they go out and share, and we add a bit of commentary to it that's yeah. more personal, I think, than oftentimes a man might do too, which gives a little background about the person who wrote it or what makes it great or cute nicknames or something that just adds a little something. Yeah. Absolutely complements the piece, right? Right. Makes you want to open it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we, we, and we love to bring analysts on and we love to do it mostly because we are players trying to get better. And at the same time, we're also people in the industry trying to get a podcast off the ground. And fortunately, Coach Bruce and I are old and we're not looking to do anything other than spend an hour and an hour and a half a week talking football with people that know what they're talking about. And I say that because trying to promote the show hasn't really been on the top of our agenda. But if we were someone who was looking to do that and know if you the upcoming podcast person or up and coming website designer can improve the amount of to see it. I caught most of that. It was a little, a little okay. stuttery. I, I think but, what he's, I know what he's asking because we talked about it before the show, but you know, what, what are things guys like us are trying to find it in this space? And of course you've got a great social media background. What are things that you can do and other people in the space to, to share their brand and, and put themselves out there? What are some things you recommend? 
I think one of the most overlooked things is the power of search. So when you have a blog, whether or not you do articles every day, every week, whatever, even if it's just a recap of your most recent podcast and you're able to embed it or link to it or show a still from it and then link out to it, um, having a great description with words that are tied to the description within your podcast description, which are also tied to words that are in your tweets because Twitter is indexed. So your tweets are then indexed into Google. So if you were to use um, words like, what's it like to be a woman in the fancy football community? We've asked Kelly and Phoenix. And then you use that exact same phrasing in your podcast description, in a blog post recap, and when you're writing the blog post, that it's towards the top. That's important. And then you just use these keywords um, so that they get crawled and they're found. I mean, there's a whole process that I could go through with you. But that's, I think, the most overlooked piece is making sure that those keywords are interwoven throughout every piece of content that's able to be indexed um, through Google. And that's how you get found because people are searched. Yeah. Am I good? Can you hear me? Sort of. Yeah, we're better. Sort of. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, let me go real Yeah, as an editor, Ball Blast, we're always talking about SEO. What you're speaking is a language I certainly know a lot of. And making sure you're doing the same thing. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, especially making sure that it, it's uh, continues through your other pieces of content. And it may seem repetitive, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a link in one place, a still image in another, a video embedded somewhere, but it's those words that you've typed out that make all of the difference. And I've recently been playing around with alt text in my tweets too, um, which is hidden text behind images for uh, the visually impaired. And we have several, are vis- not visually impaired. I'm visually impaired. I'm impaired right now um, for the hearing impaired. <laughs> and um, we have several hearing impaired community members and I've messaged them and I'm like, hey, when you uh, use this tweet through your reader, does it tell you what the picture is? And they're like, yeah. So that's another way that you can continue mm your SEO um, by using that hidden alt text behind images. It's it's um, quite a process. Like you mentioned, it takes a lot of time, but it makes such a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on because, again, we're all here most and foremost because we love, we love football. So nothing's better than when you're in a fantasy football draft and you pick someone up late. Who are some of your top surprises that you've seen on your rosters this year that you might have picked up later than, you know, you know, 13th or whatever rounds uh, and you've been present pleasantly surprised by? Well, I have this year 12 teams, which is the most I've ever managed. So there have been a lot of rosters, but being a huge Ravens fan in this house, I was really surprised to see um, Hollywood Marquise Brown yes. um, available in later rounds, especially because there wasn't a huge receiving room to begin with. Um, obviously, the running backs suffered, but even yeah. receiving, I was like, what? Okay, thanks. You know, <laughs> so that's been really fun. But even beyond late round draft picks, I think so far this season with all of the injuries and all of the scandals and surprises and um, even players coming out admitting that they're they're having mental health issues and they're stepping away from the game. Some of the most exciting times for me now have been watching the waiver wire and it's something I've been really horrible at, but it has been so much fun. I mean, oh, talk about what? Okay, yes, this is this is going to make it a horse race right now. I'm so excited. I got to see how this rando pick is going to do, you know. To me, that's super exciting. 
that's what's so fun about fantasy football, right? And of course, I love leagues that have fab because it's not just, hey, I picked up a waiver for three weeks in a row. So now I'm at waiver spot number 12 in a 12 team league because I picked up a couple waivers earlier. It, it opens up the field for everybody to say, hey, with the Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry injury as an example, am I going to get AP? Do I want to go after Justin uh, or McNichols? Jeremy, or what do I want to do there and how much fab do I want to devote to it? Well, those of us, Players that blew their fab for like Elijah Mitchell or whoever it might be. I always try to tell people, hey, if you're going to blow a lot of your fab, make sure it's for a guy that's not only relevant for a week or two. It's a guy that can carry you through the end of the season to make the playoffs and through the playoffs and, and, and set yourself up. And so you see a lot of fantasy managers that are like, hey, it'd be great to go out and get a, a McNichols or it'd be great to go out and get an Adrian Peterson or we get, I'll get into my thoughts on that later. But that's what's kind of neat is you see teams that have no fab left and all of a sudden you had what? You had Cooper Rush, Trevor Simeon, Mike White, super flex leagues. And if you didn't have any fab left to go out and pick somebody up and you suffered an injury with one of those starting quarterbacks, you're in a difficult spot. So it's it's the strategy of this time of year is so exciting to see how much fab you have left, how are you going to use it, and seeing how much value a certain player has later in the season. So that's such a great point. I love that. I love that yeah. so much because I I don't typically chase after the trends and spend all my fab like that at once. Yeah. It's more um, that either I've been watching and somebody's gradually been picking up touches and I'm like, you know what? Um, what is that fire fire move fire moves? Yeah. What is his last name? Yeah, on Pat, the, on Pittsburgh. Yeah, <laughs> man, he has quickly become a favorite and i picked him up like two weeks ago because i saw this happening and i'm like you know what this is happening and it's totally happening yeah it makes me feel like really excited like oh my gosh i've really been paying attention i should write this down (laughs) are you in the sky i believe you're in the scott fishbowl correct I am, and I am doing so bad, but I will tell you why, because it's not because of my draft, honestly. It's because I cannot figure out the tool, and I think that I've saved my lineup, and it didn't save, or I or I think that that's mostly been my issue. I'm like yeah. totally shifting it around on my phone, and then I go back and look, I'm like, wait, what happened? So... Maybe next year I'll have a better handle on the platform. That's probably the thing that people talk about the most is the platform that it's on. A lot of people struggle with it. Yeah. But outside of that, the community aspect of the Scott Fishbowl is so fun. So much fun. Like I'm in the Britney Spears League and there was no real representation for Britney Spears. When you go look at the website, it was just kind of like all the main bands. And I reached out to one of the shirt designers and they made us the shirt just because I asked for one. It was so nice. <laughs> so I love that. The Scott Fishbowl, right, was trying to figure out. Well, what what group do I want to be in? Like, you know, before it starts, and you, first of all, it's such a huge blessing to get picked to be in the Scott Fishbowl. Right. But then it's like, hey, when you fill out your 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 deal, it's like, okay, what division do you want to be in? And you're like, man, there's so many great bands on this. When they flipped it to a music theme, it was like, you know, I'm a Beastie Boys because, you know, I grew up on the Beastie Boys, but there's a lot of other ones that were really good too. But the community, so you had a 1.06 chat group, right, on Twitter, and then you had the group yeah. But then you also had a chat group for the division that you were in. So everybody you're competing against throughout the season and just that community, I mean, just the number of follows you get and there's the idea sharing and you find mm-hmm. out who the fans are versus the analysts and what they bring to the table. You find, you make friends out of that, right? So it, it's you been do. such a neat experience just to be a part of the Scott Fishbowl for sure. So it's such we a fun thing. Shout out to Scott because right as all of those invitations were starting to go out and people were being invited, there was like, I don't even remember exactly what it was about, but there was some really bad stuff going down, which kind of prompted me to to write that article where uh, women were receiving really inappropriate messages as professionals. Now I do remember it's as a professional appearing on a podcast, receiving inappropriate messages from the host, which is like, yeah, I remember that. 
So he was like, you know what? I'm going to all women that want to participate, come and participate. And I know that probably upset a lot of, of men who wanted to, to be in the community this year. But let me tell you what it did for women in the community. It made us feel welcome. It made us feel safe. It made us feel appreciated. And um, gosh, I'm getting all like misty because. Do it. Let it go. <sighs> it's awesome. It was. <laughs> it just was so refreshing because you fight so hard to get somebody to read a blog post or to even take you seriously. And the first time I ever had somebody DM me to ask who they should sit or who they should start. And I'm and kind of like what you said, Bruce, I'm like, I can only tell you what I would do for my gut yeah. feeling as a fan, but it didn't matter to them. And I get them every week and it makes me feel so great. And, and it's because of people like Scott who, who create an inclusive community and people like you guys who invite women on the show. Um, it just opens new, new doors for us, new opportunities. So thank you. I want, I want to share a story real quick since we're talking about this, but it was so neat to be, and, and by the way, Brett's going with me to the expo next year. It's just going to be pretty cool, but Yay. it was so nice at the expo to see the amount of women that participated in the expo showed up at the expo, but didn't just show up. It was more, I remember walking by and look, I'm no big deal in the space, but it was really cool to have your thing on. that says coach Bruce on it and walk through. And there were more people in women specifically that weren't afraid to walk up and shake, extend a hand and say, Oh my God, it's great to meet you. And they were introducing themselves to anybody and everybody. And I'm sitting back. And I'm going, man, this is awesome. Like they're like, yeah. walk up, take your shot, like introduce yourself, you know, let people know what your work is. What are you doing? And, you know, where are you from? Like what, how, what brought you here? It was so neat to see, you know, so many people just leading that, like meet Linda Lyons was awesome. Just, just knowing her yes. and, and meeting other people at the show. And I won't name all of them because there's so many, but <laughs> meeting you, Cal, of course you were easy, right? As soon as I saw you and I saw the glasses, I'm like, that's Kelly. I got to go meet her. <laughs> Walked up right as I was getting ready to go over to meet you, and you weren't afraid of. Hey, I'm Kelly. I'm like, I know who you are. But it, it was know. just such a neat thing to see. It was it was absolutely awesome, and so many relationships that have been built. It, it's truly incredible. That that was really fun for me. I wasn't so adventurous as to go up and introduce myself to people, which isn't normal for me. Like I'm very yeah. outgoing, but just because of some of the things that had kind of happened in the space that made me feel like, eh, I'm not quite sure the amount of people that came up to me. And I think having my glasses and my profile picture, like help people to recognize me, it made me feel so like, again, so welcome and, and safe, which is an important word. I think when we talk mm -hmm. about um, women in the football space. So I didn't, feel weird to give hugs and take photos. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I took so many photos with people. I don't even know where half of them ended up, but it ended up being a really great experience and I can't wait for next year, honestly. Next year is going to be absolutely massive. I remember talking to Bob and he goes, you know, before COVID, we had about 75 people show up. And of course you did, you skipped it the year prior because of COVID. And then this year, <clears throat> I think you said there was over I can't remember what the total numbers were, so I don't, I don't want to. Hundreds. Yeah, it was hundreds. Like 350. 350, yeah. there you go. I was going to say 400, but it's definitely yeah. close to 400. It's, it's going to be well over 1,000, if not more than that next year. I mean, just the photos, like you said, that were taken, shared on social media, relationships that were built. I remember right before, the week before, I think I, I found out where Nick Scripp was. He was the first guy that invited me on a podcast. You know, we say you remember your first, right? And so I felt, and he put something on social media, on Twitter, it was him and his wife going out to dinner. I said, oh, where are you at? He was home at such and such place. And he gave me the name of the restaurant. I'm like, perfect opportunity. Call the restaurant in Chicago, order a round of drinks for him, tell the waitress what shirt he's wearing, who to look for. She goes over, she gives him the drinks. He sends me a message later on that night. And it was like, bro, never in a million years would I have thought. And I'm like, that's what's so great about this space. You gave me my first opportunity and I'm always going to remember that. So Man, it, it, that's the type of stuff I think on Twitter. There's so much time spent on the negativity. It's like, man, let's just build each other up. Let's build relationships. Let's make each other better. 
We all had issues. We all have things we're going through in our real lives. Right. Let's, you know, let's build each other up, make each other better. And you've been a huge part of that. And I appreciate everything that you do on social media. And, and I certainly look forward to building that relationship moving forward. Thank you. I look forward to actually doing more content. Um, my real job has taken quite a bit of time as much as I love it. And then I have one daughter who's homeschooling, which takes a ton of my time as well. And um, it's just something though that's in me that I wanna be able to, to create more and do more. And there's definitely more on the horizon and I'm super excited to put it out there. And I'm so grateful for uh, the support that's there to help amplify it. And I am always here if you ever questions or want to know what to do as far as like a, a PR moment or, or, you know, how do I get my stuff found? Definitely hit me up via DM. I'm happy to help. Kelly, you're the best. You know, we're talking about first, or at least Bruce brought it up. So I will say that you are the first female on the show. We've invited three others prior, whether it be scheduling changes or whatever that happened, it just didn't work out. But we're so grateful, and uh, thank you for spending time with us tonight. And enjoy the rest of your birthday. Thank yeah. you so much. It really meant a lot to me that you guys shifted things around so I could be here. It, it's really special, and I'm I'm thrilled to be your first female guest. Thank you so there much. You You're welcome, and we look forward to having you again. Have a great Absolutely. night. Thanks. Have a great rest of your show. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Coach. As always, the guest is always the headliner, and she was awesome, uh, like all the, the others before her. Man, that's what's so neat about this community is, is it, and so people that, that don't know, like we don't do a, sh uh, a show sheet, we don't send it out, we don't rehearse. Oh, it. I do. No, you don't. I, I do. don't. I don't. You're right. You keep saying that shit because because I love the fact there's so much authenticity in what we do, and so. We, you and I get on on this about 45 minutes before we go on here yep. and we talk through some things. We haven't talked about anything up until that point. Correct. We don't send it something out three days in advance for everybody to, to study stats. We, we have fun. We want to bring people on the show and just have a real, honest, open conversation. And that wherever that goes is, I think, what makes this show so great. Now, I'm a little oh, wow. biased because I'm on the show, but I think that's what's so neat about having someone like Kelly on is just the raw emotion and just talking about her experience in the space is the funnest part, I think, of what we do. Well, just it, for me, it's always just about getting their perspective, getting a different view, whatever it may be. And uh, every time we bring an analyst on, it's just trying to pick their brain. And And she says she's not an analyst. And I, I appreciate that. You appreciate yeah. that. It's about people who enjoy the game and, we really make up the community more than any analyst does. And, and so it was nice. She was someone that uh, I'm glad that we had on. Yeah, no, for sure. That was, that was a great, it was a well-spent 35 minutes of our time. And we could talk to her probably all night. She's, she's yeah. just got such a warm heart and a, you know, she cares about people, other people in this community. So it was definitely a joy to have her on for sure. Well, let's go ahead and jump into uh, the week that was and, and, before we jump into specifics of what happened during week eight and the games that were played and what's going to happen in week nine and those games that will be played, let's get into some of the news. And the first one I'm going to bring up, um, Calvin Ridley. And, yeah. you know, I've never been shy talking about my struggles with mental uh, health in the past and me being open and honest about having borderline personality disorder, which is not exactly uh, uh, something you want to uh, have to go through on a daily basis. Um, so when I see a guy like Calvin Ridley come out, openly talk about the fact that he's struggling and need to take time away, and, and people criticize him for doing so um, when he's being paid so much money. Well, as someone who's gone through it and gone through my own struggles, I've had to take time away from the most important job that I can imagine, and that's my job as a parent. And yeah. on four separate occasions, I've had to personally check myself into a mental institute only to prevent it becoming a serious problem uh, at home. So 
I, I applaud what Calvin's doing. And, and this is someone who has made multiple trades in the offseason to get Calvin. But this is not about fantasy football. This is about someone trying to overcome a struggle that is at the point that he needs to take time away. And, man, I wish nothing but the best for him. No, and, hey, I think that's where, as a fantasy football community, you have to step back and talk about it's not about, you know, what does this mean for the Atlanta offense and, and fantasy, you know, with Ridley out and who steps up and who gets the targets and, you know, all of those things. Man, forget about Who cares? This is more about something much bigger. I don't suffer from it, so I can't speak from experience, but, I, you know, I have a daughter that has anxiety issues and, and those things. So, you know, I don't want to get emotional on the show, but, you know, I, I certainly understand the importance of, of that. And I, I, the best thing about this is hopefully it gets people to understand, hey, you can be a professional athlete making millions of dollars a year. Hayden Hurst and Hayden Hurst Foundation was a big part of Project 32 and what we did there. Um, I think it, it's absolutely phenomenal when a pro athlete can say, hey, look, I have an issue. I don't want to hurt the team, but I have a much bigger issue. And this is much bigger than football. This is where I'm at. I've got to go figure that out. I've got to do what's best for me and the people in my circle. And, and, and you know, you have to applaud Calvin Ridley for taking the stance and stepping up and saying, hey, I've got to walk away and really, truly figure this thing out. So I applaud him. I think it's awesome. I love the fact that we're, we're, at, we're, we're making that a part of, of, of this podcast. Look, whatever he's going through, I wish him nothing but the best. And, and having a daughter that's going through some things and, and, and witnessing that, uh, I, I, I have a ton of respect for him, you know, even more so than I did before outside of being a great football player. It, it's we got to get right, you know, as a person. We do. We do. And it took I'll tell you, Bruce, you know, or Coach Bruce or Bobby, uh, my boy, um, it's a struggle. It, it's a freaking struggle. And, and to get at a point and I am so blessed uh, to be at a point where I have it managed to manageable and know how to uh, kind of handle the triggers. And when I see someone struggle, whether it be Calvin Ridley or anybody, um, it hurts because I know what he's going through. And I know that to get to the point that I'm at now, it's not easy. And there's a lot of factors that have to, or I should say there were a lot of factors for me to get to the point where I'm at today. And just so blessed. And, and I, I wish anyone who struggles with it, uh, uh, don't be afraid to seek help and don't be afraid to talk about it because, you know, with this quote, cancel culture or whatever we're in at yeah. this time, one of the things that I do like or do love about where we're at as a country or a society is that I can openly talk about my struggles with BPD. I can uh, openly have friends talk about the fact that, um, you know, they're homosexual, whatever it may be. The fact of the matter is that changes like that were needed for so long. And, and I'm pretty excited that, you know, as a millennial, or I should say as a uh, old guy, there's there's some great things that the millennials are bringing to us. And, and just acceptance is certainly one of them. Well, especially, I mean, shoot, it's 2021. I mean, if we've learned nothing, let, let's, let's at least learn that accept people for who they are, let them figure that out and support that any way that you can. Um, and what's ironic, what, what's interesting to me is Hayden Hurst is a part of the Atlanta Falcons, you know, with Calvin Ridley and what's going on. And so, you know, you just, you wonder what that process is and, and how much those guys are talking through this, this situation. And, and, and I guarantee you there's a huge amount of support from Hayden Hurst to Calvin Ridley and whatever it is oh. that he's going through. You know, you know, the great thing is that I, I promise you there is not, and not just because Atlanta is struggling this year, yeah. but I, I don't see any Atlantic Falcon not giving support to Calvin Ridley like now, right now. Uh, and, and you got to love that. 100%. 100%. I mean, it, yeah, 100%. I'm with you. Well, let's move on. Um, another big news. COVID reared its ugly head, and the news came out this morning. No Aaron Rodgers. Um, a lot of people thought we were going to see Jordan Love this year. Uh, didn't expect it to be in this way, but here we are, week nine. We're going to see Jordan Love, and, and we're not going to see Aaron Rodgers. That's got to be uh, that's some big news. 
Hey, look, Jordan Love coming out of Utah State, you know, as a prospect was a guy that I thought very highly of. I think his skill set is great. He's more of that that quarterback that you talk about with the Konami code. I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson. Let's 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 lower the expectation a little bit. But I think his ability to move and make throws on the run and the, the arm that he has uh, is very special. And I, I'm really I, I'm excited personally to see what what this offense can do with Jordan Love and you know every all those things that happened in the offseason. Aaron Rodgers leading up this year. Was he coming back? Was he not? What was this process going to look like? Um, I, I'm excited to see Jordan Love. It's, it's, you're looking at the future of, you know, the Green Bay Packers. Um, I, I think that the Rodgers thing will play itself out, but I, I think this is one of those situations where, hey, I want to see what Jordan Love can do with the Devontae Adams, with Randall Cobb, with MVS, with Aaron Jones, with an A.J. Dillon and what LaFleur can can drum up in that offense with a Jordan Love. I mean, there's things he can do from an athletic standpoint. As great as Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is at moving the pocket, throwing on the run, now you've got a quarterback that actually has the ability to take off and get you 20 to 30 yards. So I'm excited to see what this offense does under Jordan Love. It's funny, you brought up that we still don't know how the situation is going to be resolved. Yeah. I think the situation, I think, I think we have a happy – Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay right now. I, I, you're not hearing a lot of that talk. And I think a lot of that is because of the fact that I think there already is a resolution to what's going to happen. And what's going to happen is that he's going to get his walking papers, which he wants at the end of the year. So this is going to give Green Bay an opportunity to see if that decision that fractured the relationship with Aaron Rodgers um, is going to work out in any capacity with how he does this weekend. And I am a big-time talker of how you should never view rookies based off of their performance coming right out of the gate. But at the yeah. same time, I, I want to see playmaking ability. I want to see what made Green Bay excited enough to take them in the first round when they certainly had some other options. So like you – I'm pretty excited to see him play this week. But one guy that we're not only going to see this week, but we're not going to see the rest of the season, and that's a guy that I I think the relationship that Michael Thomas and the New Orleans Saints has is so bad that – and I'm not questioning his whether or not if he's hurt or not, but – when you look at the fact that he took forever to get the surgery in the offseason, and now here we are, and news comes out today that he's out for the season. Um, that relationship is over, in my opinion. No, hey, I agree. And I think what's frustrating is the stance that Michael Thomas took in the offseason. There's a lot of questions about why did he choose to get the surgery so late that put him in a situation to miss the first six, seven, eight games of 2021. And I think that's something that only Michael Thomas and the Saints organization can probably speak on. And the both sides have been pretty hush-hush in terms of why he chose to get that surgery later on than he did. And now to go this many weeks into it and now have a setback, it's going to cost him the rest of the season with a Saints team that I think is outperforming expectations with not knowing what Jameis Winston was going to be, being the first quarterback to throw 30 interceptions in a single season. Sean Payton, to me, is one of the best play callers in this game, he's absolutely outstanding. I remember back when he was with the Dallas Cowboys, he was a guy that I wanted to eventually be an offensive coordinator with the Cowboys. Um, it, it's phenomenal what Sean Payton can do in that offense, whether it's Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, you know, it was Drew Brees, understanding that offense and what to do there. But yeah, it, 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 it man, it, it's a different situation with Michael Thomas now, and now realizing that, hey, his time in New Orleans, I'm with you. I don't think there's a chance he comes back. This is a conversation that's been happening since he decided to get the surgery late in the offseason to cost him some games and a team that was built to make a run potentially with what they do defensively and, and the weapons they have on offense with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and what we thought Adam Troutman was going to be and the compliments they have to that. But, yeah, it, it, it's it's an interesting thing to watch. And now here we are. You're basically, basically – the Saints are in a very difficult situation now what they're, they're, what they're going to do the rest of the season. But, but again, I think Sean Payton is one of the best signal callers there is in the game. I think he figures it out. And look, we look at, saw what he did with Trevor Simeon. 
against Tampa Bay last week. They pulled out a win there. So hey, I think the Saints are going to be okay. They've gotten this far without Michael Thomas. They're going to be they're going to be fine without him in the future. I, I don't think they ever plan on having him. I, I, I don't like you, said, you think uh, yeah. So we're not going to we're not going to dive too much more into that because it, obviously uh, it's got to be a frustrating frustrating yeah. situation for everybody involved. Um, you bring up the staying with New Orleans. Winston is out for the year. Torn ACL, um, you know, you got Simeon, you've got Hill, you've got well, – what's this going to do for anybody relevant in that offense? You see issues because there were issues last year for Kamara when you had Hill. What are you doing with the guys in that fantasy room uh, and now that Winston's out for the year? Well, I think, you know, we've had this whole season. You know, Trey Quan Smith is finally back. Marcus Calloway is finally back. And now all of a sudden you lose Mike Thomas, but you've got Alvin Kamara. I think the Saints are are in a situation with that defense. It reminds me of the Baltimore Ravens back when Trent Dilfer was the quarterback and they won a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying the Saints won a Super Bowl. What I'm saying is if the quarterback can do just enough to be a game manager, that defense can flip field position, they can create turnovers, they can keep the Saints in it. You don't need a world beater. You don't need a Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback. Ironic I say that based on the season he's having, but – what I mean is you don't need the Drew Brees, I mean, that's a better way to put it, to, to make this offense go. Taysom Hill, when he does start, has been effective. Now, I've been very outspoken in the offseason. I did this as part of Project 32. I think I thought Sean Payton with Jameis Winston in an offense that has a Kamara was a perfect fit and a good situation for Jameis Winston to resurrect his career. And now you see the injury, which is tough for him to go through. He's playing well, well as he's played in a long time, if not the best he's ever played within the confines of that offense. But I have faith in in, in, uh, Sean Payton and what he can do. You saw it with with, uh, Trevor Simeon. And now we're going to see with Taysom Hill what that offense is going to look like. But now you know if I've got to go to Trevor Simeon when Taysom Hill is ready to go, I feel okay about what we can do, but so much of that's going to, again, going to rely on the defense, flipping field position, creating turnovers, putting the offense in good situations, and the offense just being able to do enough offensively to not give the opponent an opportunity, you know, with a turnover. So I still, because I'm such a huge believer in Sean Payton, I still think that the Saints are absolutely relevant, even with the James Winston injury. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. But I feel like I buried the lead as a journalist or former journalist. When we're talking about injuries, I feel like it buried the lead. And the lead should have been King Henry. Um, you know, there's a few leagues that I want to do well in my home league. I want to do well in my um, – well, I have two home leagues. But after that, I want to do well in the Colt or the Cut league that we're in, which I'm not. And I want to do well in the Ball Blast league that I'm in. And Derrick Henry was a guy that I just lost. And I'll tell you, man, that guy – the only thing that can stop him is injury, and unfortunately, that's what we're seeing right now. No, I, I think there's a lot of people that talked about the volume of Derrick Henry going into this season and where they had them in dynasty rankings in terms of how long can a guy like Derrick Henry continue the volume. And when you have an A.J. Brown, you trade for Julio Jones. I think a lot of us, me included, expected a situation where, hey, Derrick Henry's volume is probably going to come down a little bit with the addition of Julio Jones and what they're going to do offensively. But the reality is no. It hasn't. He was on pace to break the sing- with a chance to break the single season record, albeit in 17 games in terms of rushing. But I think it's interesting with that offense and what's going on. And, and you know, there's two sides to that, right? And I think I put a post out yesterday, or the day before, as soon as the news broke about Derrick Henry, I said, "Hey, it's amazing to me the amount of fab money that people are spending to get a 36 year old Adrian Peterson." Who I get it. Average 3.9 per carries last year when he was used, had seven touchdowns. Is he the goal line guy? Yeah, he probably is. Is he a first and second down guy? I don't think he is. I think there's an opportunity for McNichols to be the guy. Um, I think he struggles within the to run between the tackles, but I think people have to understand 27 targets, 21 receptions so far. He had one game with 12, I think, targets. As a whole, they were already starting to use McNichols a little bit more with the injury to Durrington Evans. I do think that there's so many people going out getting AP, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not there. I can't do it. Maybe I'm not with the consensus, but I think McNichols, they're going to go to more pass-heavy, which I think is what the expectations were when they brought Julio Jones. 
if he can stay on the field. He's supposed to be back this week. A.J. Brown's coming on. I think it's a quick game. Play action's not going to be as relevant without Derrick Henry. I don't think people are going to load the box. Nobody's afraid of Jeremy McNichols. But I do think that Jeremy McNichols is the guy you want to roster as opposed to an Adrian Peterson who's 36 years old, hasn't played a snap this season. Do I think he's been staying in shape? 100%. Uh, but do I think he's a guy that can come in and get you 25 touches, which is not even Derrick Henry level, but can he get you 25 touches in a game? I don't think AP's that guy at this point in his career. I think you're going to have to rely on AJB in the quick game, more screens, whether it's a tight end screen, whether it's a quick screen or a now screen. They're going to be a little bit more creative in what they're doing offensively. That, that I'm leaning more towards McNichols than AP, which I know is not the consensus. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because now it's definitely going to be uh, on the shoulders of Tannehill. And early on, as as somebody who did a lot of SF rookie drafts, or excuse me, SF starter drafts this year, even though I didn't want to, I got a lot of Tannehill. And, and he was always supposed to be someone that you – it was Mr. Dependability, someone that, yeah. you know, people overlooked and you can expect. So now he's going to have to be the guy. So – we're going to have to find out what that's going to look like. But just off of, again, we talk about being fans. I hate that I'm not going to see a Derrick Henry stiff arm. I hate that I'm not going to see him do what he does on a weekly basis for the rest of the year. And I hate that I'm not going to have him in my league for ball blast. But let's go on to one other story that I really don't like talking about because talk about heartbreak, uh, yeah. the Henry Rugg situation. And for we're both parents. We both have daughters. We both have daughters in the 23-year-old age uh, category. Um, I have multiple. But for a 23-year-old girl to lose her life based off of the decision made at 3.30 in the morning, just it's just – it's terrible. I, I can't imagine – what that family is going through and you know, his career is and should be over. And man, it's a, it's a think about a decision that you make that affected the rest of your life. This one certainly did. No. And, and Hey, there, there was a TikTok that talked about, you know, there was the, the, the little spiff on Henry Ruggs and talking about, you know, how it was showing highlights of him playing football and how fast he was running and, and comparing that to the speed of the car. It's such in poor taste. I mean, again, this is a scenario like Calvin really it's so much bigger than football. Forget the football part of it. This is a guy that was traveling 125 miles an hour at impact and 150 something, 156 miles an hour just a few seconds prior to impact because, you know, the Corvettes come with a chip that, that can they can track all that information. And there was a life that was lost. And just being being a father of a 22-year-old daughter, uh, to get a phone call um, and find out that your daughter may have gone in that way, it, it's so much bigger than that. So, you know, it, it's about the Henry, Henry Ruggs and just the remorse that, that I must feel and what he's being charged with is minimum two years, up to 20, I think it is, for, you know, cause of death. And and he was a, he was a 0.16, which is twice the legal limit in terms of blood alcohol level. And people talk about the NFL having a situation where you can call Uber or a car. I don't know. I don't want to speak, you know, and not have all the facts. But I know the NFL has a program that allows athletes to call somebody that will come get you and not only get you, but also pick up your vehicle and bring it to your house. There's uh, no excuse. So there's, there's, no, there's just, yeah, there's no excuse for it. There's no reason for it at 3.30 on a Tuesday morning to be driving at that speed um, I, I just I, I have a hard time as a father wrapping my head around it and understanding the choice to get in a car at that level of intoxication and drive at that speed at that time of the night. It's almost like just something is bound to happen. And it's, it's very, very unfortunate thoughts and prayers out to you know the family of, of the gal that was lost and, and the family of you know, also of Henry Ruggs, you know, the remorse he's going to have to go through and what that's going to mean. It's it's probably, unfortunately, the end of a professional football career. And, you know, he made a decision. It was a, a bad decision. He did. He did. Yeah. There's just, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It was the wrong decision. There's, 
Horrible yeah. decision, and rightfully so, it's going to change the rest of his life. Yeah. Okay, enough with that. Let's move on. Um, I'll tell you what, Coach. I think as a Cowboys fan, you got to be excited about the way one Cooper Rush played last week. No, I think the, 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 the funniest part about the Cowboys game is, is here you are going into, a, a, you know, it's supposed to be a, a good contest. You're on the road. You're going to Minnesota. Dallas week in and week out, almost beat Tampa Bay, a couple missed field goals and an extra point for Greg Zerline in week one. They might have been able to eat out a win against the defending Super Bowl champion. And then we could be sitting at seven and up. Yes, there are some games you could be saying, hey, they could be worse than six and one. But the reality is you're going to that game and all the way up until game time. Like I, I posted on Twitter, I make fun of my gut. I'm a bigger guy now. And, and you know, I made the joke that, hey, I've got a gut feeling. i got a bigger gut than most, so I feel pretty good about it. I think Dak's going to play. And you get right up until two hours before game time. You're seeing the workouts. You're reading the tea leaves. You're seeing what, what they're saying. He went through the walkthroughs all week with the first team. He was at, I felt like he was going to play. And then all of a sudden, two hours before game time, you're like, oh, he's not playing. Well, as a huge Dak Prescott advocate and what he's done in this offense and saying, hey, I don't have to pivot on – multiple teams and figure out what I'm going to do. So I put Cooper Rush in on a couple of teams. I said, hey, I've got to put him in. It's not Scott Fishbowl scoring in these leagues. I've got to put a guy in that's got an opportunity to play in an offense that's moving the ball and doing well. And, and Cooper Rush comes out with 300 yards. And there's a great story about Amari Cooper and, and C.D. Lamb in the huddle before the final play. They call the play. And C.D. Lamb says, understands, he's not the guy that play right. is going to so he looks at Amari Cooper and he says hey can I get this one Cooper goes no nah, man I got it and sure enough Cooper Rush takes a snap and Mike McCarthy came out afterwards and said hey we should have ran the football based on pre-snap read Cooper Rush trusted Amari Cooper he made the throw the Cowboys won the game um it was unbelievable and it was a week with Cooper Rush and Trevor Simeon and Mike White and these backup quarterbacks you know winning games against very good opponents. It, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable game. And hey, you're not going to believe my Mike White story. Yeah. So I have been – I was very frustrated. I really was happy with my Scott Fishbowl draft. I really felt like I did a good job. I was content with my team. I thought I had a team to could compete. I got Cam Akers in the third round. I lost him right away. I lost a few other guys pretty quick after that. I invested uh, very little in the tight end, hoping to hit on guys like Logan Thomas or guys like Adam Troutman, and, and those weren't working out right off the bat. So I won game one or week one and then lost week two, and they just seemed to pile up. So I came to the point of the season where all I was doing was checking my lineup each week and making sure I was putting in a lineup, knowing that I probably wasn't competing and I didn't want to look at it and get frustrated. So I looked last week, and all of a sudden I won four straight. I'm four and three, but I've got no quarterback in my second SF spot because Derek Carr is on by and Zach Wilson is hurt. Yeah. I've got $23 left in fab. I put 20 of it on some guy named who? Mike White. And he And I'm currently – Five and three and fourth in my division. So it was kind of a nice little surprise to wake up and see uh, that uh, that we're not doing as bad as I thought we were doing. Thank you, Mike White. So here's what's funny. So talking Scott Fishbowl. So I go into uh, – we've talked about my draft strategy and how they got flipped and I had to go a different route. But uh, going into the game, I was four and three, okay, with an opportunity to go five and three. Zach Wilson's out. I'm like you. I had Zach as my third quarterback. I have Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz. I wait a little bit on quarterbacks to get really good running backs and some really good wide receivers. I'm going into the Monday night game. I need 17 points from Daniel Jones. Okay. The Kansas City Chiefs are driving late in the game. And in my mind, I'm up by two points. And I'm thinking, okay, Scott Fishbowl. There's negative points for taking a sack, negative points for an incompletion, negative points for an interception, and huge negative points for a pick six. I'm like, the best case scenario is Patrick Mahomes leads the Chiefs down the field, runs the entire six minutes off the clock, scores a touchdown, game over. I win by two. No. 
It has to come down to they kick a field goal. Giants get the ball back. They have a chance to drive down the field, either tie the score or win the game. So I'm thinking this is not good. It's Daniel Jones. <laughs> However, just don't take a sack, baby. Just don't take a sack. First down, incomplete pass. Minus 0.5, I think it is. Second down. Okay, I'm sorry. First first down, incomplete pass, minus, minus 0.5. Second down, he takes a sack. All of a sudden, Kansas City has figured out how to rush the quarterback. <laughs> takes a sack, minus two points. I'm down now, negative 0.5. I'm like, okay, third down and long. Complete a pass, get some yards. Let's keep the drive going. We got four downs. We're going to go for it on fourth down, just make a completion. Third down, Kansas City, sack, fumbles the ball on purpose, try to keep the play alive. It turns out it's going to be the last play of the game. Offensive lineman picks it up and decides to just kneel because he's not no clock awareness. Not only do they lose the game, I lose Scott Fishbowl by negative two points with the lead when the Giants get the ball because I have a quarterback in that takes two sacks in a critical situation. I'm now four and four in fighting my way into the playoffs. Coach, as a former as a former poker player, I'll say there would be football or fantasy football if there weren't bad beats. And that, my friend, was a bad beat. For sure. Hey, man, another great show. Week 13 or 13th episode. Appreciate you. And, uh, you know, this week's games, we're certainly going to highlight them next week. Biggest one for me is Tennessee at Rams. But uh, great week, great show. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, brother. Take care, man, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace out, everybody.